0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at corporatedirect.com or call 800 600 1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive a hundred dollars off your formation fee. That's Corporate Direct.com. Corporate direct.com.
2: Our guest today is. His name is Tim Ferriss, host of The Tim Ferriss Show, author of the book, best-selling author of The 4-Hour Workweek, The 4-Hour Body, and The 4-Hour Chef. And he's going to really talk about education. And Kim and I ran a company called Accelerated Learning. learning Institute. <laughs> and we, all we were doing was teaching people for years because we I was practicing from these, I forget the two women's name. One was Lynn Schroeder. And they had a company that taught super learning and so we were taking what they were teaching us and we were applying super learning to a 3 day workshop so uh, for a long time kim and i were kind of the experts in um, high speed learning and that was doing we were doing good until the government started coming after us cuz people were learning too fast people were getting happy people were people having we were major,
1: succeeding we
2: were successful <laughs> So after that, I said, I've gone too far. I don't want to mess with the government anymore, you know, because they're obsolete. So our guest today is Tim Ferriss, like I said, and we're going to be talking about how fast can you learn anything, but more especially, how to be rich. Welcome to the program, Tim. Thanks for having me. So what's this thing about the four-hour work week, the body, and how fast can a person learn? (laughs)
1: <laughs> just <laughs> sum it up right there
3: <laughs> well we'll start we'll start with that the i'm going to try to eat that elephant one bite at a time the 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 first is uh the four-hour work week that was actually not the original title of the book uh the original title of the book was believe it or not drug dealing for fun and profit which <laughs> was
1: based on
3: a class that i taught for several years twice a year uh, at a university at a school which one uh at Princeton, uh, in a in a, te- a high tech entrepreneurship class, uh, but it was I was brought in partially because I talked about things that were not covered in school, namely how to bootstrap a business, how to self finance as opposed to go out and get venture capital, et cetera. And um, when the book came about, and that's a that's a somewhat of a long story, but when the book finally happened, and I had no plans to be an author, uh, in effect, Walmart said no we do not like drug dealing for fun and profit to so the VP of sales. And so the publisher came back and said, we need to change the title. And I did a lot of testing on Google AdWords. So I, I tested for about, I'd say, 150 bucks, 12 different titles and subtitles to see which would have the highest click-through rate. And the four-hour work week won, so I used that title. But the, <laughs> the, the, the basic so premise... That's
1: good. There's a good business <laughs> lesson right there. Yeah,
2: the Let me ask you a question. Is there any correlation between the title and the book? <laughs>
3: there is. There is. There is. Well, actually, it's very funny because when I was considering the four-hour workweek uh, and the intention for those people listening who think it sounds like an infomercial product, which it certainly does, the intention is to maximize your per-hour output. So how do you 10x your hourly output? That's the question that I attempt to answer in the book. You don't have to work four hours a week, but it's a catchy title that reflects that objective. And uh, that's the correlation. But uh, initially, it was the two-hour work week. That was the title I was going to test. And one of the people at the publisher was like, "That's completely unbelievable. No one's going to pay attention." And I said, 4 hour work week," and they're like, "Okay, Jesus. now we're talking. We can <laughs> test that one." Oh my god! <laughs> so, All so right. Well, that's. I'm glad to hear that. Now <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> uh, so that, that's how it came about. But the
2: um, so the and, the object is to get more done in less time.
3: That's right. Or to get more done in even the same amount of time. So there are, for instance, some very famous. Uh, investors in Silicon Valley who are fans of the book, like Mark Andreessen, who's a billionaire two or three times over, uh, but he works probably you know 50 to 80 hours a week, but he wants to get more done in every hour. So yeah. that's that's the purpose that it serves. In terms of how quickly you can learn things, um, I've spent the last uh, many years testing this, and I mean you can become, for all intents and purposes conversationally fluent in most languages in, say, four to eight weeks. And I've tested this. That's just one example because people how come? Are, how, come you, are, how,
2: how come you chose Tagalog of all languages, Filipino? Why would you yeah,
3: choose that one? Well, Tagalog, it, it, for the TV show, I chose because I could – there were a few reasons. I already spoke Spanish, so we couldn't touch that. Uh, and that that uh, that was something that I assumed I was bad at from the general sort of conventional – uh, education that i had in junior high and so on tagalog i was able to live with a host family in the u.s where we happened to be filming in los angeles at the time oh, okay. uh, and it didn't so they represent... spoke and they,
2: they spoke that language versus Ilocano, which is the other Ch- filipino
3: language right I right exactly. okay okay and we could do and we it also was a question of what tv station or show would be willing to try to bring me on and interview me for Six minutes in Tagalog, which uh, <laughs> or, in any, or in any foreign language which in some is a places just widely like, used. Oh, that sounds like a disaster. So yeah.
1: so Tim, if I if I wanted to start learning a, a language, second language, because as adults we're taught, oh as an adult it's so hard to learn a second language if you're not immersed in it every single day for months and months, where how do I start? What would I do? Where would I there, begin?
3: Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll throw a couple of things out there. And the the general learning framework that I use, I'm just gonna provide this first for context and then we can dig in, is is represented by an acronym called DIS, DISSS, and it's 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 in the, the I is just to kind of fuse it together. But you have deconstruction is the first step. And then there's selection sequencing and stakes. But the deconstruction piece is using, for instance, the eighty twenty analysis, which in which you would ask yourself what is the 20% of material in this language that will get me at least 80% of where i want to go right and if you So you call that
2: deconstruction?
3: Yeah, deconstruction, taking like learn Spanish, for instance, and making it very specific, like breaking that down into smaller pieces like vocabulary, grammar, conversation, idiom, et cetera, you know, just doing a creating a laundry list of the different pieces. And I would suggest people start with vocabulary. And you hear a lot of myths. They're the kind of old wives tales that have been repeated so often that people think they're truth, such as uh, you have to learn languages as a kid or adults can't learn languages quickly, all nonsense. If you look at the research, uh, and there is research, uh, adults can learn languages faster than kids. Um, they, have, they have a lot more uh, mental sort of horsepower, and they have a first language. So you can actually peg the highest frequency vocab. That's where I'm going with this. You can identify, and there are companies that do this like vised.com, v-ed.com, that will create flashcards based on the highest frequency words in native materials, okay. and so you okay. can get, say, the top 500 words. Learn those in a week, uh, which is entirely possible or longer, and you'll be half of the way to conversational fluency with with vocab. So you okay. you can very quickly tackle a language, especially if you use some of the smarter, uh, some of the smarter apps and so on that are available now that will. Adapt to how much progress or lack of progress you're making. Like Duolingo is is one that uh, I actually advise. They have about 100 million uh, users now.
2: Okay, okay. Uh, this is Robert Kiyosaki again. We need to move on with the subject because I'm not going to learn Tagalog and all that stuff right now. So right now we're talking to Tim Ferriss, and the question is how fast can you learn, and the question is how fast can you learn to be rich? Like I said, Kim and I owned a company for 10 years called Accelerated Learning, and what we were teaching at that time was the same way my rich dad taught me to learn was by playing games and hanging out with people who you wanted to be like. And as you know, the reason most people are poor is they hang out with poor people, very simply that. And it's a poor mentality, a poor attitude. You know, like my poor dad always, well, I'm not that interested in money. So that's why he was not rich, started with his attitude and the whole thing. So the whole thing, what we would work on people is this, you got to first check your attitude and then find out why you want to learn something. So when we come back, we'll be talking more to Tim Ferriss. Again, he's the author of The 4-Hour Workweek, Escape the 9 to 5, Live Anywhere, Join the New Rich, and The 4-Hour Body. And we're going to, really, it's not about anything else, but how fast can you learn what you want to learn. And that's really the issue here. I'm no kidding. You are, you are, you are a raving uh, hero in this company.
3: <laughs> oh, well, they're, they're very kind. I, I just put the stuff on the page, and then somebody actually has to do the work. <laughs>
1: but to get somebody to do the work after they read, that's the key. Because, I mean, we come across yep. that, as you know, with, with our with our books and talking about investing. People read or they go to a seminar, and then to get them to get into action is everything.
3: The only way that I learned how to do that was by doing a lot of teaching in person and just seeing where people were resistant seeing when people were trying to bite off too, too much, more than they could chew. And uh, I think the other key for the 4-Hour Body in particular is getting people to document. So when people take photographs of themselves, say, like in their underwear or whatever, and then look at it and they're like, I had no idea that I looked like that. <laughs> and, and then having them track their progress and share, say, photographs of meals and whatnot on social media, it, it keeps them motivated uh, but it also helps huh. spread the word to other people who do who then do the same thing.
2: And we're talking today to Tim Ferriss. He is the host of the Tim Ferriss Show. Got a big fan base over here. The four-hour work week. I think that's what's got people. He's got think. such a
1: big fan base. We've got people from our company who are showing up to watch the radio show so they can hear you, Tim. <laughs> and, and the four-hour. <laughs> Love it.
2: And the four-hour body: how to have incredible sex. I think that's why they're showing Ooh, up that's, too. That
1: is, that's a good one.
2: And the four-hour chef: how to <laughs> eat like a pro. Oh, yeah, we're living like a pro anyway. <laughs> uh, it's really a very uh, program right up our heart because, like I said, we we own the company called Accelerated Learning, and where I came across this was that when I came back from Vietnam, you know, my poor dad said to go back get my MBA so I signed up for the MBA program at the University of Hawaii and then my rich dad says you'll never get rich having an MBA so I went and took a real estate course in three days and I learned more in three days than I did in the year or two I spent in my MBA program which was a complete waste of time and then the most powerful one was I did what's called a personal development workshop. Back then it was called S, Earhart Seminars Training and once I did the personal development program and then the real estate program, and I knew I was going to be a rich man. I was in my heart at that moment. I dropped out of my MBA program. It was too slow, taught by a teacher who had no idea what he was talking about. So that's why I'm very happy to have Tim Ferriss today. You know, he's man after my own heart. We all have to learn faster because the world is changing faster. Any comments, Kim?
1: Well I'm just excited to to hear from Tim right now and I want to find out from in terms of can you learn faster can you learn to be rich faster
3: what's the key to that well, I think that there are a few, and and for a little bit of context, people know me as an author, but I've actually made about ten times as much in uh, startup investing. So, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Uber. companies that
1: you've invested in,
3: Evernote, yeah, these are. Okay. I was I was early early stage in all of these companies. First advisor to Shopify was just IPO'd. So, I, I do have I've practiced these learning techniques in the world of finance and investing. Perfect. I think the reason that or. The best way to to become rich quickly is to learn to test assumptions. So when you find best practices, say that there's a consensus about let's say I'll just give one example like diversifying, which can work, but if everyone's saying diversify, 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 you should ask, you know, are there counterexamples? Are there contrarians, right? And I'm not saying that you should do one or the other, but learning to ask that question, you know, what if I did the opposite? Are there any outliers who hold a different opinion? is one very important piece. The second is realizing that information isn't enough. You can't just read a little bit and then snap your fingers and become rich. You have to practice. You have practice. to practice. We're all about practice. And, right. So, for instance, a great way to practice is to, in if you're looking at public stocks, is paper trading for a while. right? Getting used to, hypothetically, having a budget and spending that on different stocks and and watching not only how the stocks perform, but how you react to the movement of the stocks because, in the, and I'll this will be the last so thing you, I say so, so before are you, we. So are you move saying, on? You know, you're saying
1: you're you saying you learn something, you read something, you study something, and then you got to go put it into practice. You have to practice. If, it. Change and, isn't going to you know, happen. Education is not going to happen without that.
2: that.
3: That's right. And so practice I, I, is
2: called making mistakes and getting experience, right?
3: Right. So for instance, I mean, I think that if, 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 uh, if a high schooler or a college kid asks me or that age, you know, what skills should I have among writing and speaking clearly negotiating, you need to know how to negotiate. You can't read a negotiation book and then go into your biggest negotiation. You'll fail. So it's like, go to the, go to a state farm or uh, not farm, go to a state fair or something like that to a flea market and give yourself a hundred bucks and negotiate. See how much you can get for that hundred bucks, right? You have to practice these skills.
2: So, how do you get rich doing that?
3: The way that I generally coach well, well to let cap- me let me ask you this question.
2: Okay, what you're talking about is a lot of pre-IPO work, probably when uh, you invest not even, or not necessarily.
3: If you're going to, if you're going to, for instance, bootstrap a startup or even your own no no company.
2: but i that's how you made your money. You didn't really really start the company. You put the money in a company that was coming out.
3: I've started my own companies, right. so I've made but, I've made millions of dollars in my own companies too. Okay. okay, so what did you do to do that? You know what I mean. Yep. So I had to negotiate very hard early on. I had to ask myself, for instance, if you're starting a business, who are the 1000 true fans that I want to have? What they read, where they go, what they buy, and really having a clear idea of, of your core audience, number one. Number two is, it's called, is it's called know your customer. Yeah, and then yeah. scratching your own itch, right? So ideally, you belong to that demographic. And I mean, identifying you, you, you share the same values of that customer. And and the same problems right. right so you solve a problem that you have and then simultaneously you're solving it for this this group of 1000 people who have these kind of psychographic similarities to yourself and then you create i think that creating a category if you're an entrepreneur again investing different thing but if you're creating a product or service creating a new category as opposed to trying to dominate an existing category is very important so like amstel light right first Light imported beer—they created that category, therefore they could dominate it and own it in in the mindshare of the people. So those those are a few that immediately come to mind. But they're all the glue that holds all of those together is in my mind negotiating, know, knowing how to ask for a lot uh, or ask for very little, say a discount, and and actually arrive at that outcome. I think is is the glue that holds a lot of that together.
2: You seek masters, you find
3: out who your customer is, and you gain
2: uh, entrepreneur skills, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: you do. I mean, and these are these are principles like the creating a charity category versus dominating that people have used after the four hour work week to build very, very large businesses. Uh like Quest Nutrition is the number two on the Inc. five hundred right now, and the CEO very publicly credits four hour work week for helping to create that company. Congratulations. Uh, so- Thanks. So sure. it's, I mean, he did it. He's an amazing entrepreneur. So that the, these broader principles are very, very flexible. And the reason I say this is important is that the tools are going to change. Like it might be Twitter, it might be Facebook, it might be Tumblr, it might be this, it might be that direct mail. It could be anything, but you need these core capabilities. And that includes the ability to learn, right? This and, meta learning. And, 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 there's, the, and, the, the,
1: and there's, there's one piece that's very aligned to us, Tim, which is you, you talk about learning from experts, learning from people who are actually doing what it is you want to do, correct?
3: That's right. yeah. There's I mean, a lot of experts
1: your... out there that aren't that aren't practicing what they preach.
3: Yeah, you need someone who didn't learn in exclusively in a classroom. You need right. someone who's been on the front lines and has faced the the clear tactical difficulties and battles that you're going to face if you try to do anything interesting in life.
2: Once again, it's Robert I at the Rich Dad Radio Show. Today we're talking to Tim Ferriss. He's host of the Tim Ferriss Show. He's a best-selling author of the Four Hour Work Week, and he's talking to, to us today about how fast can a person learn to be rich. And as Kim knows, you know, I've dedicated my life probably 40 years to this, exactly as Tim says, is you got to be part of the demographic. I mean, you have to know who your customer is and what is driving them in the gut. And for me personally, you know, as a why do I do what I do, is I'm still trying to save my own man, you know, poor dad. This guy is an academic genius, but a financial loser. And it's, it's really hard. This is the thing that when Kim and I were teaching our form of our company was accelerated learning, was there are people like Tim says who are naturals. They're natural entrepreneurs. And for them, learning is fast and easy. But the problem I was having was with people who already thought they were losers. And so they, they actively admitted they were losers. So how would you change that? You know what I mean? It's, it's easy if you, 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 your perception is you're a winner, you're smart, you're a natural entrepreneur. But our challenge was always probably the bottom 20% in the class that always reminded me of my dad. Highly educated, professional people, very smart, honest, hardworking, but there was like a block to it. You know, just like I have a block to my cell phone. You know, you try and tell me how to use my cell phone, (laughs) I just go nuts. You know, show me my computer, I go nuts. I'm just not into that. But money, I'm into. So how do you you take somebody with a block?
3: The way that I take someone with a block is I have to give them A small win, so I think it's very important. I mean, we're talking about teaching. That's that's
2: very,
1: very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So as as a teacher, you have to rebuild. Yeah, you got
1: to build up that confidence.
3: Exactly. So if I have somebody who's trying to lose, and this is very, very related, trying to lose 200 pounds, right? They've and my my readers have done this, and they've but they've failed at every diet before. I'm not going to talking about me. (laughs) I'm not going to ask them to do. I'm not going to ask them to make five. New changes, right? Like go to the gym four times a week, change your entire diet. Every day you're going to give up your favorite foods. No, I'm going to say fix your breakfast. Just like f- change your breakfast and put cream in your coffee instead of some type of milk and see what happens at the end of one week. And usually they'll lose, if they, if they have that much weight to lose, they'll, they'll lose five or 10 pounds potentially in that first week.
2: By just changing breakfast and
3: coffee? That's right. And then they will listen to everything that I have to say, right? So I, I have see. to build my credibility with them and they, and have, show to them they right. have to build their confidence. Right. So so if it's a business, right? I could ask someone to do a coffee challenge and this is <laughs> like I'd say just walk into any coffee shop and you're going to ask for a 10, like ten percent off or fifty cents off your coffee could be a Starbucks, could be a indie shop, doesn't matter. And you're probably going to get rejected, but I want you to get comfortable asking for things that make you you uncomfortable, uncomfortable. and that would yeah. be something I might start them with. That's
2: the instance. key to success, man.
1: That is, and, you hang know, out
3: being uncomfortable.
1: Yep. And it's the yep. same thing we say, you know, in in getting rich and starting your business. You got to take small steps. You got to start small, get a little education, get in the game, but start small, make small mistakes, but build up that confidence.
3: Yeah, definitely. And choose something you know a lot about, right? I think a lot of people, they, they try to imagine what their customer wants. It's like, no, be your own customer. It's like yeah. if you're a 23-year-old guy, for instance, and you've never interacted with a mom with a baby, like, don't try to make a product for first-time moms. Like make a product or a service that solves problems for, say, 20 to you know, 28-year-olds. And that's
2: exactly what Kim and I did is uh, we just – we created a board game called Cash Flow. Because people kept asking us, how, how did, did we do
1: it? How, how did, we did we do it? it? How so did we, we, just, do it? we just put it into a game, exactly how we did it. And
2: then the next question is how do you sell it? How do you sell it? So <laughs> we wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And now we're rich again. But we were rich before we did it. That's the difference, you see. And yeah. uh, what, so what Tim is saying is accurate. You're really sure. almost creating a business to serve yourself.
1: Because we are, I mean, we were our own customer. I is, mean, that, we, is
2: that correct, Tim? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So and, all and, you're listening out there is, you know, If you want to help yourself, then you have to help others. Really, that's where it comes to. That's where you design your product and your service from. So when we come back, we'll be talking more. We'll be talking to some of your hardcore fans here inside our company, and we'll be talking to people who have actually practiced what Tim talks about, and we'll find out more how you can learn faster but also learn what you want to learn but also how to become an entrepreneur by creating products and services for yourself.
1: And I, th- I think you know, it's such a key thing is that who your customer is because it th- brings up an example of a, a kid I know, and he's he's like 18 years old, and he's on this, he's in this network marketing company. But the network marketing company sells anti-aging products to older women, and I'm like, how are you going to succeed selling products to uh, older old women? women love yeah. Little boys, yeah, but that's, I mean, he has no <laughs> idea what their issues are, what they face. He doesn't know the price. It was just. Off and um, he's not doing very well today because of it.
3: Yeah. You have to stack the deck so you can win. Amen.
2: Yeah. Amen. Just uh, the other day, I was in South Africa talking about how I pay zero taxes, and this person raised her hand and says, "I'm so afraid of my tax department. I'll never do what you do." You know, I'm gonna. So you, so I said, "So you'll pay forty percent of your income." Yes, I will. You know, I mean. If you haven't got what they call my Mexican friends call cojones, you know, how are you gonna be rich if you're so afraid of making a mistake and authority and all that, you'll never be an entrepreneur. So you may as well be, you know, just the employee and pay your taxes and, and do as you're told. The other thing too I found out about school, there's only one right answer. You know, as an entrepreneur, you gotta have a right answer every twenty seconds to test this, test this, test this, test this, test that. And so really that's my secret to success is fail faster and I mean most people are unsuccessful, they don't want to fail at all. They'd rather pay taxes than find out ways not to pay taxes. They'd rather invest in the stock market even though being ripped off by high-frequency trading just because their stockbroker told them to invest in the stock market. They don't want to learn something new. So that, to to me, the biggest key to being successful is exactly as Tim says. You better question what you're told. You know, this idea of diversification really stands for de-worsification, and the reason they want you to diversify into their product line called stocks, bonds, and mutual funds and get ripped off by the whole stock market today with high-frequency trading, dark pools and all that, bill don't know anything about it, but they just do as they're told. I went to school, man. So anyway, today, like I said-
1: <laughs> Not like you're not revved up here, dear. Call <laughs> that coffee. No,
2: I, I really, like I said, the 60s, well, 60s and 70s were the protest times, and I was- so angry at school, and I was so angry going to Vietnam and telling we're killing people for Christ, you know, communists for Christ and all that stuff. I'm going, hey, we're killing people for money, you know what I mean? The military industrial complex. And that's when I kind of woke up. Any comments, Kim, about learning?
1: Well, I mean, this is why we have Tim on the show, because we're talking about how do you learn faster, and how do you learn to be rich faster, how do you learn to become an entrepreneur faster. And I just want to take, ask one question here: Is that we're, we talked on the earlier segment about people who who are sometimes are stuck? They they read the book, but they don't take the action, um, and the fear the role that fear plays in that. So how do you address that, Tim?
3: Fear is really the uh, I think where where most people go off track, uh, and the way that I address that personally, I do this probably once a month when I journal, and the way that I recommend my readers do it is journaling is- part of your habit. Uh, journaling is part of my habit, yep. one of my habits, yeah, right, right. and I do it after I meditate in the mornings yeah. usually, and the the exercise is called fear setting, so people are very good at setting goals, or yes. they're, they tra- they, they're more accustomed to setting goals, but then they never take the first steps because they're afraid of something, and yes. so what I encourage people to do is for whatever decision you're considering, starting a business, quitting your job, ending your relationship, whatever, or starting a relationship, is to br- just take a piece of paper, break it down into three columns, the first column is all of the things that could go wrong, right, all of your fears, right, Write them down, get specific. The second column is the things you could do to minimize the likelihood of each of those happening. And then the third column is how you could get back to where you are now if those things happened. And when people go through that exercise, usually they realize that their fears are either completely an illusion or they're really not that bad at all and probably transient or reversible. And uh, that exercise is, is key. I use it in my life all the time. I just did it last week. And it's something that I recommend to people. Yeah,
2: you know, I would say fear stands for false evidence appearing real. It's just it's not real, but they think it's real. Anyway, we have, like I said, Tim, you are many fans inside the Rich Dad Company. We want to have, you know, two of them introduce two of them to you, and they're actually a couple, and they have a fantastic story about. 24 nice hour testimonial <laughs> you know, how was, it? was it 24 hours or 15 minute orgasm 15 <laughs> <laughs> the 24 book, hour 24. orgasm and, 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 <laughs> and the reason it's the, next uh, book. And the reason they're great is because you know like we have a bunch of rebels here at rich dad we most of us really hated school too and that's why we're entrepreneurs so we have greg and shannon so greg what did you think of tim's programs
4: so i, I gotta say uh tim honored to meet you a huge fan uh, the 4-Hour Body changed my life. It actually uh, it didn't just physically change my life, but I used it to uh, seduce my now current wife. And, oh. yeah. and, and it actually There's changed her life uh, from a physical standpoint as well. How did that happen? <laughs> uh, i read The 4-Hour Body, and there were four areas that I really just focused on because the book is huge. It's like 500 pages of uh, biohacking. And then I also focused on the slow-carb diet. And I focused on uh, the testosterone diet. Because you
1: had trouble gaining weight. You right, were like right. a skinny little guy. Right,
4: and that's the fourth part. Uh, there's a part in there that Tim teaches you how to gain like 20 pounds of muscle in 30 days. And I, I'm a skinny little runt, right? I'm 5'10". I weighed like 140. And everything I tried when it ended up I was puking and still skinny by by the end of it. <laughs> so I did, I did Tim's... Uh, our body did the the program and I got up to 190 pounds of, of muscle yeah, and what muscle. did you
1: think about that Shannon <laughs> I was happy <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was more than happy well I, she was my wife
4: at the time that was that was part of my motivation I, I wanted to get Shannon as my wife I, you know taking yep, small steps totally, <laughs> uh-huh. totally. um, putting it into
1: practice yeah good diet. okay so what was different so you've used all these other programs Greg and what was different about Tim's program that actually worked for you
4: First, I believed in it because he actually provided data. It wasn't some muscle steroid head who just who just gave me some exercises to do. Tim, he, he actually hooks up gauges that, that pierce Yet, his so there flesh. Was science, so there was scientific proof behind it. It's not just scientific proof, but he did it himself. So he practiced what he preached. It was all just exciting because Tim did it. It worked for Tim, and so I felt if it worked for Tim, it could work for me. But the other side of it is
2: Shannon had the other problem. Shannon has my see Kim has a weight problem; she can't keep it on, and I have the other problem with weight is that I can't keep it off, right? Shannon, that's it. true. So, what was how did the four-hour body work for you?
1: Um, I've always been the fat girl, and so I I I always saw myself as that way, and I I never tried diets because. I would start for the first week or two and and I would quit because it got too hard. I was hungry and I'm a fat girl and I want to eat and I I want my food. And so when we started the the four hour, um, the slow carb diet, then I was able to eat as much as I wanted and I wasn't hungry and the weight was falling off. And you did it together. We did it together. That's pretty cool. I, I lost sixty pounds. Greg, oh. not so much. Wow. He, didn't, he didn't have sixty six, to lose. Six zero. Yes, six zero. And she
2: looks fantastic. she looks gorgeous too. It's amazing. Well
3: done. That's a great yeah, job. Yeah. So,
2: so what do you think, there, Tim?
3: Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it makes my entire day. Makes, it makes my it week. I and mean, this Those is the... this is the kind of thing that um, that made me want to become a teacher. I never wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to be a teacher. But it just turns out that if you approach the books the right way, they can be really powerful and stick around for a while. So this uh, this is, yeah, it makes me thrilled. I mean, I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear.
1: <laughs> and you know what else, What else Greg said is that he, what, what sold him to is that you did this yourself.
3: So, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm i very much a human guinea pig. Yeah. So that, um, that I,
1: brings me to the next question is you do this thing called self-experimentation. What's the purpose behind that? Explain what it is. And what's the
3: purpose behind it? The purpose behind the self-experimentation, whether that's, you know, training to hold my breath with David Blaine or uh, putting in uh, implants to sense my blood glucose, say or interstitial glucose 24-7, is to show that outside of the law and science, and even sometimes within those two, almost everything is negotiable. So people might think, uh, like we just heard, you know, I'm the fat girl, my parents are fat, we're just genetically destined to be fat, and I want to show them that they should test those things. They, they should try to prove mm-hmm. those things wrong. The best way to do that is to have literally my skin in the game, and to do <laughs> these literally. tests. And, to, pro- and what it also does is, like George Plimpton did before me, it, it gives me oftentimes either a scary or funny but gripping story to wrap the information mm. in. Because nice. without the story, it's too dry. It's like eating dry dog food. You just can't choke it down. But if you have the story there involving myself putting my my own ass on the line, then people will find the other recommendations not only more credible but easier to digest and implement and remember
4: can can i butt in real quick sure yeah the other thing in tim's book is he's like i'm a human guinea pig but you have to be your own human guinea pig just because it worked for tim doesn't mean everyone's the same and so he he challenges you to track your own results do your own experiments and just see what happens it's yeah
3: and the just to add one more thing i mean my goal i i don't I've never wanted people to view me as a guru or anything like that because that means they come to me for answers. I want to give them better questions and approaches so that they can they can become even better at all of this than I am. That's the goal is to make myself obsolete as quickly as possible.
2: So, uh, Greg, did you read this encyclopedia called The Four-Hour Body? <laughs> <laughs>
4: but, Tim, I'm going to confess I, I did not read the whole thing. I, I read the parts that I found uh, that I wanted to practice in my own life. So I've read probably – 40 percent of it, I'd say yeah
3: no that's perfect that's exactly what you should do and, and how uh, you know, you? in the in the oh. how to read this book section in the beginning that's exactly what I recommend so how that's not great no,
1: I I haven't read probably about 20 percent I spend more time on the the his Facebook page and and seeing what other people have to say and what they they have done and experienced
4: okay good. so how does this apply to money because that's what rich dad teaches money what have you learned well there's there's so many things um, if you, if you took the way Tim approaches the body and you approach money that way, you go out there, you make the, your mistakes, but you learn from it. You record your mistakes, well, and you, that, you find what, the lesson. Isn't that what we say? This is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like I found, sounds familiar. I found Tim's approach to the body, <laughs> the our approach to, that to money. That is learning, though, So it's a it? sim-
1: yeah. very similar approach. Well, what Tim's saying is a very similar approach. And, and,
4: very similar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, very
2: much. And that's why I'm playing that song, Teacher, Leave the Kids Alone, is because they punish you for making mistakes.
4: Right, right, and right. And all you
2: have is an answer, and you're being taught by somebody who's functionally incompetent. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? I'm going, this person has not done anything. Do you know what I mean? That's like our political candidates. Most of them have been nothing but politicians. They have no idea what real life is like. Well, and we uh,
4: take lessons from those guys. Right. That's the other thing. Our brand our brand, screams at you. You learn from someone who's doing it. Yeah. Don't learn from some guy who, who just wrote a book about it. And. And Tim is the guy out there doing it on Practicing the right on the front. Preaching. Yep, yep. So he's he's so in line with our brand that that I became a huge fan, probably because I'm a huge fan of yours. Yeah. Well, so, the and, smart thing, you know, <laughs> smart thing. <laughs> very, <laughs> smart. <laughs> very smart. You know, kissing up really works here. I'm, in, I'm into marketing, <laughs> so yeah.
3: So I, so, I would uh, add one more thing to Yeah, that please, Tim, that go ahead. I, I think in both cases, we're training people to be experimenters, right? To be scientists, Amen. and you you learn to view failure what works as for you? feedback. Not yeah. as ultimate failure. You're like, right. okay, yes. I tried this. Here's the feedback, and then you tweak, and eventually you get it right. So
2: let me say something because we at Rich Dad know this. There are these people who think they know all the answers. And they're the most horrible people on earth, right, Greg? Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> oh, we have to do these guys. Well, I have my, you know, well, they haven't done jack, and they think they know everything because yeah, we they just went fire to school. Them,
4: it's all good. Well, they can't
2: fire me. That's the
1: problem. <laughs> <laughs> So if I if I'm hearing you, Tim, Tim, you're saying that the, the one of the keys is is the feedback is going out there, experimenting, making mistakes, and questioning what people are telling you, questioning the assumptions.
3: Which I think is huge. Yeah. No, the the questioning is the key. I mean, in in life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And and you also have to ask the right questions. So there's – I just want to make two quick recommendations. There's a great book called Bad Science by Ben Goldacre, who's a doctor who teaches you how to ask really good questions and separate both from fact. And then the second one is the twenty-two Immutable Laws of Marketing, the yep. old, the yep. old Trout and edition. Yeah, yep. yeah, Very good. Both very of these good books. Book. Yep. One their first, in their first book, one in business, will teach you how to ask better questions, yeah. and they're they're tremendous. Yeah,
2: the first great. book was really great, called Positioning. Fantastic books. So thank you. So we'll go to the first question there, Melissa, for Ask Robert.
5: Okay, Robert. Thanks. Our first question today comes from Eric in Las Vegas, Nevada. Favorite book, Unfair Advantage. He says, I know that I need to learn, but there are so many people out there teaching and giving financial advice or educating. What exactly should I be learning, and what are some good resources to learn about?
2: That's a a great question. You know, I agree with what Tim says. You better find somebody who knows what they're talking about. And one of the reasons I dropped out of the MBA program, you know, the teacher had no idea what they were. They were just regurgitating from a book. They put me to sleep, they punished me for making mistakes and they didn't know what they were talking about. And most of them were terrified of not having a paycheck. Now you're gonna be an entrepreneur, or you're gonna operate without a paycheck for a while. So that all that stuff communicates. Like for me, I just played Monopoly with Rich Dad, that's where we have a cash flow game. We recommend you play the game at least 10, 20 times and you teach 20 people. It, it, you know, it makes uh, new neural pathways in your brain. Neural pathways like the Grand Canyon. If you were a poor person, Your brain looks like the Grand Canyon with all this water just going to poverty. And that's why it's really hard to change sometimes because the pathways are so like ruts. And so you keep doing the same old thing, the same old thing, the same old thing. So what Tim is saying, I agree with you. better find a mentor. I would take classes and then don't necessarily do anything but take another class, take another class. When I did my first real estate class in 1973, I loved the instructor because he practiced what he preached. On top of that, he says, your, your education begins when I leave the three-day class. And my first assignment was to look at 100 properties in 90 days and write a one-page one report in every property. And today, we're multimillionaires from that one three-day class. So I agree with Tim. Not that I didn't make mistakes and lose some money along the way, but I knew what I was doing. What do you say, Kim? Well,
1: you know, a lot of people are, are in these ruts, and I think a lot of the rut comes from school. Teacher, I mean, they,
2: teacher. Yeah,
1: they, 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 I've never went, I never had a teacher ask me, what, what am I interested in? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say to Eric, you know, what is, what is it you want to learn? Yeah. What are you interested in? Where in the world of money, what interests you? And then just and, as you're and, saying, then, then go out and, and find a mentor. Find an expert who's doing, practicing what it is you want to learn to do. I would
2: start with Ken McElroy's book. It's called The ABCs of Real Estate. Now, why real estate? Very simply because debt and taxes. You want to get rich today, you got to understand debt and taxes. not about real estate. You guys who like the stock market, read the book Flash Boys. It, it'll 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 turn you off on the real estate. I mean, on on the stock market so fast because it's completely manipulated. So it's Flash Boys, and also Ken McElroy's book, The ABCs of Real Estate. Then, if you really want to do stocks, then you do Andy Tanner's book. Andy Tanner's book, another rich dad advisor, is called Cash Flow from Stocks, because you don't want to buy, hold, and pray. When you read in Flash Boys as HFT, high-frequency trading, they're trading in milliseconds and microseconds. A microsecond is a millionth of a second, and a a millisecond is a thousandth of a second, and your financial planner is telling you to invest for the long-term and diversify. Are you effing nuts? You know, why would you listen to somebody who's a salesperson, not a rich person? So those are kind of some of the things you bear exactly as Tim says. Question the word diversify. Yeah,
1: ask, and ask the questions. And question consider the, the source of
2: the person giving your advice. If they're a financial planner, I just ask them really quick, quickly, can I see your financials? Can I see a personal financial statement? If they don't have one, run. Next question, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Jesus in Brownsville, Texas. Favorite book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. He says, Robert, I'm going to be a senior this upcoming school year, and I've been going on trips with business owners. I'm thinking of applying to Texas A&M Business School. Do you think this is a good thing for me to do, and should I start investing now?
2: Well, you got to invest in your education first. I think it's a great idea, but you also got to be careful what kind of business owner you're going out with. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's good point. It's like saying just because she's got blonde hair and a great body, should I marry her? You know, That's really not the question you better f- check them out. You know, there's a lot of people you know who drive nice cars and have big houses, and they're flat broke. So if you're sucked in by the physical trappings, and like I said, with that financial planner, you better ask them, do you have a personal financial statement? If they don't have one, they have no idea what the markets are about because they cannot manage and control their own income, expense, assets, and liabilities. So that's where it starts. You better start asking better questions, as Tim says, and you better hang out. You better look for that person who knows what they're talking about. And often the person who knows what they're talking about, they're not living in a nice neighborhood and driving nice cars. Okay, that's a very big difference. Here. And
1: and I do like, I mean, I do like that he's he's traveling with business owners, not not like not, yeah, but like he's employees. got to ask himself the
2: question: What kind of business? So that's a- all I'm saying. Question, question, absolutely. question.
1: But if he's going to then go to business school, at least he's getting some background from real life people who are in the trenches. So I applaud him for that. Yeah,
5: Melissa, okay. next question. Our next question comes from Sean in Indiana. Favorite book: Cash Flow Quadrant. It says Robert and Kim. Recently, rents have been rising throughout most of the U.S. If this were to change and rents started going down, what actions would you take to keep your real estate in a positive cash flow position?
2: That's a great question. The reason real estate is a very dangerous type of investment is the word called liquidity. The reason stocks are better than real estate is because of liquidity. In other words, you can get out of a stock very quickly and you don't have to be a very good entrepreneur to invest in stocks. So that's why if you're incompetent as an entrepreneur, invest in stocks. You're gonna invest in real estate, you would better be a very, 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 very good entrepreneur. Which means that you better know why people rent. The number one reason people, the number one thing to check out when looking at real estate, how many jobs are in the area, and how stable are the businesses. Like Kim and I invest a lot in San Antonio, Texas because there's military, as well as hospitals, as well as insurance companies. If there's a crash, those people will probably survive. But if you're next to a used car dealership, they'll probably be wiped out in a crash. So real estate, remember, is dependent upon jobs. Also, the reason rents are rising is simply because people cannot get loans. Now, surrounding the Rich Dad Company right now is is probably 600 new apartments coming online. Which means we're probably not going to be buying real estate for a while, right, Kim?
1: Yeah, and you know, and he asked a good question too because we, I mean, we face a situation where um, back in 2007, when everybody was getting out of apartments and they were getting buying homes for nothing down and no qualifying, all oh, of that, gosh. so our vacancies went way up. But we had it in our plan. We had we had a cushion in the plan, so if this were to happen, you know, we're gonna be okay. We were fine. Our rents went down a little bit and, and vacancies went up a little bit, but we were okay because we had it in our plan that if this were to happen, we're gonna be fine.
2: So go back to what, saying what Tim Ferriss says, you know, I would take real estate courses, but then I'd find a mentor, you know, somebody who knows what they're talking about. Last question there, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Kathy in Bakersfield, California. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She said, I've heard you say sales is the most important skill. I agree, but I'm shy by nature. My question is, can a fundamentally shy person become a good salesperson? What steps would you suggest I take?
2: I'm basically extremely yeah, shy. Yeah,
5: I would say you are. This is a great question for you.
2: I'm extremely shy. But as my when I came back from Vietnam, you know, my poor dad wanted me to get my MBA and become a corporate guy. Um, I said, no, I'm being an entrepreneur. So my rich dad said, you know, can you sell? And I said, well, I don't know. He says, he said, well, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to sell. If you can't sell, then go into the stock market because you don't have to sell there. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur in real estate anything else, you got to learn how to sell. So I said, I don't want to learn how to sell. So my rich dad then asked me, how's, how's your sex life? I said, it's horrible. <laughs> he says, because you can't sell. You know? So with that said, I went and worked at – I we got a job with Xerox, not because I love Xerox copiers, but they're the best sales training program. Now if you don't have the ability to get a job with Xerox, join a network marketing company because they won't fire you if you can't sell, but stick with them for three to five years and you'll eventually learn to build the confidence. That's why I love network marketing companies, not because of the product, but because of what they develop in your company. And their
1: sales program, because I was in a network marketing company, and there's, and the good companies, their sales program isn't about you selling product for them. It's about you overcoming the obstacles, the fears, Fear. the rejection, all of that. And to they allow you to make a stronger business person. Teacher,
2: yeah. leave the kids alone.
0: This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com